have a question. When I was in Sunday school this morning, did I say Peter wrote at the end or did I say John this morning? Okay. I thought I did, but boy, some, somehow I was just sitting there thinking, man, I think I might have said John or Peter. I mean, so, all right. Good. All right. Well, John chapter number one. John chapter number one. And uh, that was Miss uh, Penny Seal's daughter, by the way, and son-in-law, which you're visiting with us. Is that right? Daughter and son-in-law, right? And I uh, appreciate the special this morning. And I um, want to encourage our church. I, I've done this before, and uh, I understand that there's an appreciation sometimes for people that sing. Uh, but uh, when we sing in our church, we really are trying to prepare our hearts for the, the message. And I would encourage our folks perhaps to maybe refrain from clapping and just uh, give an amen if it's something that stirred your heart or something along those lines. Because uh, it's not a performance. We're not trying to build up a person or uh, give them accolades for their, their abilities. God's given them that ability, and they're using it to try to encourage our hearts in an area of worship. And uh, would encourage us in that, uh, that you would uh, consider those things in, in that area and help us with that, if you will. John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. Capital W. I love that. Uh, the Word the Bible deals with here is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Notice this, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. That is, uh, that all men through him might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Speaking of the light here, by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then art thou, art, what then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And they, that we may give an answer to them that sent us, what sayest thou of thyself? 
He saith, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth Abara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Father, we pray that you would bless the message this morning. And Lord, please speak to our hearts, do a work. Father, we long to see your Holy Spirit do something in our hearts and our lives. That your word would do its wonderful work and draw us closer to you. If there's someone here today that does not know you as their Savior, I pray that through the preaching of your word, the conviction of your Holy Spirit, that you would uh, allow them to understand and to know their need of a Savior, and that they would be drawn to you, that they would make that decision today to put their faith and their trust in you. For those of us that have trusted you as our Savior, that we know that we're saved, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts afresh revitalize our commitment to You to be busy doing the work that You have called us to do of sharing the Gospel with those that need to hear. Bless the time that we spend here today around Your Word and use it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John the Baptist is who John uh, the Apostle is writing of here. And it's interesting, as John begins, uh, the Apostle begins this particular book, as he begins to write his epistle, the the interesting thing as we get to the uh, or the gospel rather as we get to the beginning of this chapter he begins with a focus on God Himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. John is the one who is is so keen it seems like throughout his ministry on lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that penned the words as Jesus had told him he must increase but I must decrease. And John is the one that would oftentimes not even refer to himself by name when writing because of the amount of humility he had as he came into the presence of God Himself. He begins his, his uh, gospel by talking about the eternality of God. And can I encourage you in this? Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible refers to Him here as the Word And a little bit later on, he refers to him as the light of the world and the life of men. And all of those names and all of those titles are absolutely true and accurate. 
but He was from the beginning. And I wrote down a few things here that John referred to here, that He was always from the beginning. In fact, the Bible says when the beginning started, He was already in existence. In the beginning was the Word. He didn't have a beginning. He didn't have a start. God always has been. God always will be. He lives in eternity. And I think it's wonderful for you and I to understand and to note this, even though our minds cannot fully comprehend what eternity must be like, to understand that we have a God who is not hindered by time. He doesn't age. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't get weak. He is always what He is. And when Moses asked him who to tell Pharaoh sent him, God answered him this way, Tell him I am sent you. God is eternal. God is in eternity past. He'll be in eternity future. And you and I have a God that is almighty and all-powerful and is eternal, and He loves you and He loves me. And we find this as we get to the beginning, that He was there when all of this time began. I found out that He is also the Creator. John tells us that. He says in verse number 3, "...all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made which was made." That, that kind of um, refutes uh, uh, evolution, doesn't it? God stepped out on nothing one day and spoke. <laughs> and the Bible says, and it was so. I look at the vastness of creation. I, I, I'm amazed at how big the earth is. I, I, I fly little airplanes, and every once in a while I'll go up, and I'll just get up uh, about eight or 9,000. The other day, Jonathan and I, I think we got up to about 8,000 feet. And just looking out at the earth and how huge it is, how massive it is. And then to realize we're one of the small things in space. And then you begin to look at the sun, and the sun, as powerful and mighty as it is, I had a, I had a, a really strong spotlight that was given to me to help work on cars in my garage. And you know, I can put that spotlight on in my garage, and it's still got shadows, and I can't see up into my car very well. But you let the sun rise, and I open that garage door. And boy, that sun begins to light the car. And this is one of the small stars. You look at the vastness of space and the size of just our universe. And then realize that we're just one of thousands of universes that are out there. We begin to realize the immensity of space. And you know, the psalmist says that he holds the heavens in the palm of his hand. Oh, what an amazing God we have. John makes recognition of this, and he has a proper view of God. He sees Him as an eternal one. He sees Him as the one who was Creator and was the one that created. By the way, because He was the Creator, He has every right to tell you and I how we ought to live. Amen? Uh, there is a holiness that God expects out of His creation. And unless we get this mindset, though, who is He to tell me how I can and cannot live? God has every right. He made me. Not only did He make me, but if I'm saved and I've trusted Christ as my Savior, the Bible tells me that He's also bought me with the price. He owns me. He has every right and every every. And as a Christian, we ought to be willing to say, Lord, not only do I acknowledge that You have every right, but I willingly lay down my life and give You every right to tell me how I ought to live. And then I want you to notice as we go on down, the Bible says in verse number 4, In Him was life. I love this. When God created Adam and Eve, we did not evolve from apes or animals. Uh, we were created. In fact, God spoke all of creation into existence except for man. Man, God reached down 
and He took the dust of the ground and He formed man. And the Bible says this, He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Why? Because He's the life. There is no life without God. I don't care what the people in the science lab say. I don't care what the politicians say with regarding abortion. The Bible teaches me that when, when there is a conception there, God gives life. He is the life. And then the Bible tells us this, this life was the light of men, a light that shone in darkness, a darkness that had come upon the world because Adam had sinned in the garden and because Eve had sinned in the garden. The darkness that came upon the hearts of men the fact that then just a few short years after creation, the Bible says that the, the thoughts and the imaginations of men were only evil continually. So much so that God repented of even creating man and said He was going to destroy it. He saved Noah and just a few members of his family in an ark. He destroyed the world and started again. Can I tell you this? The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And we are living in those days where we are once again having uh, men and women in our society that are eating, drinking, and being merry and give no, no thought towards the things of God. They're living in such a way that the, their uh, imaginations of their heart are only evil continually once again. And we're facing a day where we're expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at any moment. And I'm thankful for those things. And then John begins to tell of another he tells of a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the cousin to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born about six months earlier than Christ was. That's why he said, He that is after me is preferred before me. And then he says, Because he was before me. Isn't that amazing? That even John understood and recognized that this is the eternal one. Even John the Baptist understood this. It said that when Mary came to visit Elizabeth and they were both pregnant, that, that the babe in Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb for joy when the presence of God came near. This is the man who now stands before us and acknowledges all of the things that the Apostle John taught us about. John the Baptist acknowledged the fact that he was the Eternal One. John the Baptist acknowledged that he was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. And the Bible says here in verse number uh, 12, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And this becomes the message of John the Baptist. This, this man who uh, was a, a wild man and a rough fellow. In fact, the Bible tells us and describes us in other areas and locations that he stood and, and, and preached in the wilderness. And he oftentimes lived there. And uh, he wore uh, garments that were of uh, 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 just hairy garments. And he would eat locust and honey. And he was uh, a man that lived outside of things. And had given his life as the one who was there to prepare the way of the Lord. In verse number 15, the Bible says this, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness... Have we all received, and I love this, and grace for grace. Isn't that an amazing thought? God's grace, His unmerited favor, 
We don't get God's love and His blessings. We don't get God's salvation and forgiveness. We don't get God's mercy and redemption for our sins because we have earned it. We get it because He gives it to us freely by His grace. And grace for grace. Isn't that an amazing statement? He gives us grace. And you know what that grace is? More grace. (laughs) We don't deserve His grace, and yet He gives it to us, doesn't He? And grace for grace. He speaks of this in verse 17, that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is what John recognizes. Last week we spoke about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a lot written in Scripture between the time that Jesus Uh, was born until the time that He began His earthly ministry. We find Him at 12 years old in the temple, and He's answering some questions, and He's astounding some of the religious, uh, educated men of the temple and the the synagogues uh, there, and He was uh, certainly uh, astounding them with His answers. And you remember back when His mom came to Him and said, What are you doing? And He said, Woman, dost thou not know that I must be about my father's business? Twelve years of age. And then the Bible tells us this, that he grew in favor with God and men. That's all we know about his teenage years. And John comes on the scene. And John says, there's one coming after me. I want to tell you about him. The one that's coming after me, he's preferred before me. He's, he's the eternal God. He's in incarnate. He's the one that came from heaven and made himself flesh. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh, notice this, and dwelt among us. Aren't you glad God is a friend of sinners? I'm not saying He participates in what they do, but He loves them. He wants to see their lives turn out right. He wants to see them come to Him. He dwelt among us. What an amazing thought. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There were some men that were wondering, questioning. John was a powerful preacher. Men were repenting and John was baptizing. A water baptism that was signifying that they were turning from their idols and their paganness and they were putting their faith in God, and there was a repentance that took place there, a changing of 180 degrees from what they were into putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And John baptized them with water, signifying these things. And some of the religious leaders in the area came to John. They wanted to know, are you Him? Are you the One? The One we've been waiting for? And look what John says this. In verse number 21, it says, And they asked Him then, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he said, Answer, no. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou thyself? And I love what his answer is. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I want us to look at this this morning, and I want to encourage us to follow the example of John the Baptist here. He begins by saying this as he gave an answer of himself in verse number 23. He said, I am the voice. Can I encourage you in this? You and I don't have a message to share. 
It's God's message that we have. We don't have a plan. We don't have an idea. We don't have man's philosophy. We don't have man's ideas. We can't logic somebody to get saved. We take the message of God Himself and we say, this is the message that God has for you and we get to be a voice for that message. John says, I'm just a voice. It's not my truth. It's not my redemption. It's not my salvation. There's one coming after me though and let me tell you about Him. And can I encourage you in this, that I'm all for living a life that helps to be an example to a lost world, but at some point you and I need to be a voice. At some point you and I need to open our mouths and to be able to tell somebody, listen, there's a God in heaven that loves you, and there's a law that He has given that you and I have not been able to meet. We've lost our way, we are condemned already, and there's a God that loves us that wants to forgive us of our sin, that wants to give that reconciliation, that wants to redeem us back to Himself, that we can have fellowship with Him. And He desires it more than we could ever want it. Oh, that we would be a voice. John gets out in the wilderness and he cries with his voice and he tells them, listen, I'm not the one. I'm not even Isaiah. I'm telling you, I'm just a voice. Oh, that it would be said of Keith Heights Baptist Church and the folks that come and sit here week in and week out that we are a voice for the cause of Christ. John said, I am a voice. And I want you to notice this. He says, I am the voice of one. I thought of that as I read this passage. I thought, you know, I don't care whether anybody else will join with me. I want to be a voice. I've seen a lot of people who say, boy, Pastor, if there was just some people that would get together and start doing right, why don't we do it? If no one else comes along, why don't we say, I'll be that voice. I'll be that one crying in the wilderness. Years ago, there was a little song written called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And it's a cute song, and it's a great song, and there's a lot of good theology to it, and I like it as a way of testimony. One of the verses says, Though no one join me, still I will follow. Lord, if there's no one else that will be a voice, let me be a voice. Give me the boldness. Give me the strength. Give me the charisma. Give me the energy, the zeal to do this. Give me the power of Your Holy Spirit to be a voice. John said, I'm the voice of one. You don't find a lot of men at this point in the history of Christ in His earthly ministry. You don't find a lot of men running around saying, there's one coming. You better repent. You better get things right. You better turn to Him. He's he's coming. He's on His way. He's here. You find one. You find one. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Can I tell you this? You and I, even though John preached in the wilderness literally, I tell you this, he also preached in the wilderness of this lost world. We're living in a dry and a parched land. If you will, hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter number 17. Jeremiah chapter number 17. Verse number 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth a man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath 
in the what? Verse number 6. For he shall be like a heath in the desert. And shall not see when the good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. He said, Brother Greg, what is he talking about here? One of crying in the wilderness. He was crying to a world whose heart had departed from the Lord. Can I encourage you in this? You and I are living in a day where our world has departed from the Lord. Their hearts are no longer with Him. They don't seek for Him. And if there's a voice that is going to cry out, even if it's only one voice, you better be ready because it's going to be a voice that's crying out in a wilderness. A place that is the dry and the parched areas. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah. I want you to notice a couple of things here as we read on down to verse 24. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest then? If thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. In other words, I'm just here to tell people to turn from their idolatry to God. And when they make that decision, they repent. I baptize them with water as an outward sign of what's happened in my heart. He said, there's going to come one. He doesn't come baptizing with water. He comes baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Oh my, what an amazing thought. Jesus, when He got ready to leave His disciples, He said, I shall not leave you comfortless. He said, but I will send you another comforter. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto Me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. John told these fellows, he said, listen, I'm not he. I just baptize with water. I just help give a testimony to the fact that there are people repenting and turning from their wickedness to God's holiness and saying, I want that. I want to put my faith in Him. He said, that's my, that's my baptism. He said, but there's going to come one right after me. The Bible says in verse number 29, all these things are happening Verse number 29, I like this. The Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I looked up that word, behold. I think it's important for us to understand and to know these things. <clears throat> the idea of beholding, and did I bring it with me? I don't know if I brought it with me. I may have left it over at the house. <laughs> Maybe I've got it here. Let's see if I've got it. Boy, I wish I, I wish I'd had that. I think I left it over at the house. I'm going to give you the gist of it, but from the Webster's 1828 dictionary, it talks about the fact that we cast our gaze upon Him we, with intentness, with with focus, and the idea being that. We look on Him and we, we sit there and we, we just are fascinated in awe at Him. The idea that our gaze is, is captured by what we see. The word behold is not just, hey, look. 
It's, boy, look over there. What a wonder. What an amazing thing is happening here. And John makes this statement as he sees the Lamb of God coming. He says in verse number, uh, verse number 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Hey, you all remember yesterday when I was telling you about this fellow? The one that was going to come after me that should be preferred before me? The one that, that, that is going to be able to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? The one that's going to be able to give you forgiveness of sin? The one that's going to be able to redeem you? remember that yesterday? There he is. There he is. John said, Behold him. Fasten your gaze on him. See him. Know who he is. This is he of whom I said, verse number 30, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but he that should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. John didn't know Jesus at this point was the Messiah, I don't think, until he saw this. It says, And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, whom, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw, notice this, and if you have a pen, underline this. And bear record that this is the Son of God. I want to leave you with one thought today. Because the Bible says in verse 35, again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus, there's that beholding, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Can I encourage you in this? And I want to leave you with one thought today. We're starting a brand new year just around the corner in just a couple days. We're going to be in 2022. Can you believe that? There are a lot of times that as God's people, we've been saved, and some of us have been saved many, many years. Some of us have been reading the Bible. Some of us have been walking with God. And we have seen with our eyes, have we not? We have experienced God in our lives. We've seen His hand of blessing. We've seen miracles happen in our, our midst. We've seen God do amazing things. And can I tell you this? You and I need to be revived in our hearts to bear record. You know what John was saying? John was saying, I've seen it. And I'm going to tell everybody I can about it. I've been telling you all this time He's coming. And now He's here. Let me tell you about Him. Let me bear a record. Let me tell you what I've seen. Let me tell you the things I've experienced. He bears record. I think we could learn an awful lot from John. There's a couple things I want you to notice. First of all, we need to bear witness. And number two... We need to bear witness to all men. We need to bear witness to all men. What about that person that we know we're supposed to share the gospel with that we've not done that yet? You ever get that you ever get that nudge, that that encouragement by the Holy Spirit? Well, you need to talk to that person. We need to bear record of God. The things that we've experienced that you say, Pastor, I don't know how to share the gospel with somebody. Tell them what happened to you. 
Tell them what you've seen. Tell them what you've experienced. Tell them what God has done in your life. Tell them how you came to put your faith in Him and trust Him as, as your Savior. Why? Because they need to hear it. They need some people to bear a record of Him. We're living in a day where our world is starving for God's people to stand up and to say, I'm a voice. I may only be one, but I'm a voice. And I don't care how much of a wilderness it is, I'm going to cry out to it. I'm going to bear record of the things that I have seen. I'm going to bear record of the things that God has done in my life. I encourage you in this as we start a new year. I, I'm not a big one for New Year's resolutions because so many are, are broken and, and we've kind of got the idea that New Year's resolutions are made to be broken. But can I encourage you in this? Could we make a commitment to God renewing our, our desire, renewing our uh, zeal, saying, Lord, I want to bear witness this year to all men, everybody I can find. Every opportunity I have to let others know about Him. Could we, could we make that commitment to the Lord? It's not enough for us to simply live a way that is pleasing to Him, to be an example and a testimony. It's not enough. At some point we need to lift up our voices. At some point we need to bear witness and bear record. Are we bearing record today? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. We'll have Miss Evelyn play through just a, a verse or two of an invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, perhaps you'd come today. Are you, are you a voice for the Lord, or have you been kind of silent? Are we bearing record of Him? Are we taking Him to all men? Are we doing all that we can to encourage people to know Him as their Savior? To put their faith and their trust in Him? Father, we pray that You'll bless the invitation.